Open your Bibles, if you will, the Second Chronicles, Second Chronicles, chapter six, verses eight and nine. It does not mean that Jim Fallis read the wrong scripture. I just want you to see something here. All right, Second Chronicles, chapter six, verses eight and nine. We all know about King David. We've read about him many times. We know that as a young man, he was a, a man after God's own heart. He had done all that he could to be committed to the will of God throughout his life. We know that he had made some mistakes. Who doesn't, right? And so with that in mind, I always want to think about the character of David. The character of David, overall, we understand he had a good heart. There are over 25 verses that we can find in the Old Testament that talks about David being a God servant. God servant. And that's an impressive list that illustrates David's willingness to always, always comply with the will of God in every aspect of his life. Do you remember when David wanted to build the temple for the Lord? And God spoke well of David for having it in his heart to want to build a house for the Lord. But God did not want David to build it. Look at 2 Chronicles 6, 8 and 9. Now remember, Solomon here reminds the people of David's desire to build the temple. But the Lord said to David, my father, for as much as it was in thine heart to build a house for my name, thou didst well in that it was in thine heart. Notwithstanding, thou shalt not build the house, but thy son which shall come forth out of thy loins, he shall build the house for my name. Now think about David's character here. I don't know how I would have felt if God would have said, no, wait a minute, David, your son's going to build it. I know what a lot of people would have thought, but I want you to notice that David's character was, is that he accepted God's will. That he was not going to be able to build the house. That Solomon, his son, would build the house. And so David accepted God's will. He allowed his son Solomon to build the temple. However, David was eager David was completely willing and happy to work hard to assist in every way his son in that process. He goes to great expense, as was read, to prepare for a work that he will never see. That's 1 Chronicles chapter 29, verses 1 through 9, actually. Interesting to think about it. He does this, he goes to this great expense, he does this because of his commitment to the will of God. His will, his commitment to the will of God in every aspect. We could just as easily back up in David's life to be able to see his restraint when it came to King Saul. Because we know much about King Saul and what he was trying to do to destroy David. 
You know, even though he knew that he was to be the next king of Israel, 1 Samuel 16, 13, David refused to lift his hand against God's anointed, that being King Saul, 1 Samuel 24, verse 6 and 10. Now we have to remember that David made these declarations even though Saul was seeking to, to take his life. I don't know how I would have reacted. I don't know how you would have reacted if that would have been the shoes that you were wearing at that particular time. But that tells us a lot about David, doesn't it? And his character. That for which David is best known is the single characteristic that we would not be able to see if we was to see a physical portrait of David. And that is what was in his heart. What was in his heart. The beauty of the Bible's picture of this man is that God's inspired word can, be, can see both the outward actions as well as the inward motivations. The Lord told Samuel on one occasion in 1 Samuel 16, 7, that the Lord seeth not as man seeth, for the man looketh on the outward, but the Lord looketh on the heart. It was David's heart that caught God's all-seeing eye. Now Paul had mentioned David as he preached in the synagogue at Antioch of Pisidia. And in Acts 13 and verse 22, he said, And when he had removed him, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after mine own heart, which shall fulfill my will. All my will. Acts 13, 22. David had a heart after God's own heart, didn't he? It was in David's heart to build the temple. Go with me, if you will, just one chapter over to 1 Chronicles 29. Now, let's look at 28. Chapter 28. In 1 Chronicles 28, look at verse 2, starting there. Then David the king stood upon his feet and said, Hear me, my brethren and my people, as for me and I had in mine heart to build a house of rest for the Ark of the Covenant, of the Lord and for the footstool of our God and had made ready for the building. However, because he was a man of war and shed blood, he was not allowed to build. Notice verse 3. But God said unto me, Thou shalt not build a house for my name because thou hast been a man of war and hast shed blood. Now we understand a little bit more about what was being said earlier in the very fact that God said, no, you're not going to build it. Your son's going to build it. But David took it as a challenge to give all that he could in every aspect of his life to make sure that it was done by his son Solomon. It was a challenge to give. In 1 Chronicles 29, verses 1 through 9, we, uh, we see a lesson here that teaches us the generosity, the willingness of David and the Israelites to give the materials for the future temple that Solomon would build. And we are able to give generously when we recognize that it's God's own, 
that God owns all that we have. We're willing to give what we can because we know it's not ours. God said, the silver is mine and the gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts, Haggai 2 and verse 8. We show him our gratitude by our giving willingly and generously in every aspect of our lives. We see here that David loved God and led the people in giving to build the temple. He gave several million dollars in the value of our money. But look at verses 3 and 4 of 1 Chronicles 29, as was read just a few moments ago. Moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have my own proper good of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house, even 3,000 talents of gold and other gold to offer, and 7,000 talents of refined silver to overlay the walls of the house with all. David gave more than his share, all because he loved God. He loved God. And wanted the temple to be built. And he was going to make sure to see it through. I want you to notice that though that the people responded to David's challenge there in verse 7. That they gave for the service of the house of God of gold 5,000 talents and 10,000 drams and of silver 10,000 talents and of brass 18,000 talents and 100,000 talents of iron. Their giving does not prove that the need was so great. Rather, their giving shows their tremendous love for God as well. They might have took the example of David and what he done. They looked at that and said, we need to do all that we can. Giving is just a proof of the gratitude that we have within our hearts to God as well. David understood. And he taught the people to understand that giving is according to our love for God. You know, we should count our blessings. And blessings every day, right? Especially the blessing of salvation, right? That God has sent His only begotten Son into this world to to die for us, take our place on the cross. We're the sinners. We're the guilty one. But God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. Our giving to God is in direct proportion to our love for Him. Our giving provides us an opportunity to prove the sincerity of our love, 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 8. Number two, we, we realize there's a challenge to Israel from David to give was in order to build the temple. That was the reason for the giving. In David's last address to Israel, he urged the people to support Solomon in this great work that God had given them to do. Notice verse 1 of 1 Chronicles 29. Furthermore, David the king said unto all the congregation, Solomon my son, whom alone God hath chosen, is yet young and tender, and the work is great. For the palace is not for man, but for the Lord God. David is probably at the end of his life at this point. 
but he's still enlisting the enthusiastic support of the people to do this great work for God. You're going to want to do it. If you love God, you will do it. David very made it clear that this was God's work, that it's not man's. For he said at the end of verse 1, For the palace is not for men, but for the Lord God. David saw the temple as far more than just an ordinary building. This is just an ordinary building in some sense as compared to the temple of God. But he wanted the people to know that they were building a palace for God. Spare no expense. Members of the Lord's church today need to see that a great work is being done for God. Our one reason for the generous giving and good involvement of many of the members of the Central Church of Christ here is, is that they understand that the great work that's being done is the work of God. It's our work for the work of God that he has asked us to do. And people will give generously when they see a great work being done and they will support God's work. But there's an example from David concerning the giving for the temple. You see, David was the first to give, wasn't he? He was the first one. He did not ask the people to do what he was not willing to do first. Notice verses 3 through 5. He said, moreover, because I have set my affection to the house of my God, I have of mine own proper good of gold and silver, which I have given to the house of my God, over and above all that I have prepared for the holy house, even 3,000 talents of gold, of the gold of Ophir, and 7,000 talents of refined silver, to overlay the walls of the houses with all the gold for things of gold, and the silver for things of silver, and for all the manner of work to be made by the hands of artificers. And who then is willing to consecrate his service this day unto the Lord? Wow. David supported the very building of the very temple and he asked the people to do the same. Do the same. That's the mark of great leadership, isn't it? David prepared with all of his heart for the building of the temple. You know, there are elders and deacons and preachers that must lead the way. I, they cannot be bringing up the rear Elders and preachers and deacons need to be setting a good example of consecration for the work of God. Both leaders and members should give their complete self to the work of the Lord as well. You know, it was Paul who said to the Macedonians, and this they did, not as we hope, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God, 2 Corinthians 8 and verse 5. Every Christian must be totally committed and involved in God's work for it to be successful. You know, the people gave generously to support the building of the temple. Notice with me verses 6 through 8. I mean, the response was overwhelming. Then the chief of the fathers and the princes of the tribes of Israel and the captains of thousands and of hundreds 
with the rulers of the king's work offered willingly and gave for the service of the house of God of gold 5,000 talents and 10,000 drams, and of silver 10,000 talents, and of brass 18,000 talents, and 100,000 talents of iron. And they with whom precious stones were found gave them to the treasure of the house of the Lord by the hand of Jehiel the Gershonite. They gave so generously, not because of the need, but because of the condition of their heart. Let us put our hearts to the Lord's work. Every man according as he had purposed in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly, nor of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. 2 Corinthians 9, 7. Here we learn that the people rejoiced. They felt that it was a privilege to help do this great work of building the temple for the Lord. Look at verse 9 of 1 Chronicles 29. Then the people rejoiced for that they offered willingly because with perfect heart they offered willingly to the Lord, and David the king also rejoiced with great joy. Isn't that wonderful to know that those like of Ezra and Nehemiah's day, they had a mind to work. These people had a mind to work, and they were willing to sacrifice to make sure that the work was being done, that it was not for them, but for the Lord. You too can have great joy by being involved in great works for God if you have a perfect heart that will willingly serve God. You know, when a human soul offers its deepest devotion, and choices treasures to the Lord, that soul is filled with gladness and exceeding joy. I'm thankful to be a part of this great church here at Central and Clearwater. And for the work that has been done, that is being done, and that will be done, Lord willing, in the future. But we can't do it just by ourselves. We need you as well. The work is to be done. We know what it, we need to do. You know, it was David's challenge to give here. Not only for himself, but for the people as well. Does this mean that David was perfect? Certainly not. Certainly not. But again, if you were to look at a portrait of David and his characteristics... We would notice David's eyes. They were focused on God. We would notice his ears. They were affirmative or attentive to God. And that his mouth praised God. And that his hands worked God's will. But it was his heart that made up for all of that when he went wrong in his life. Even when he messed up, 
David returned to God, repented of his sin, and was committed to the work of the Lord. In all aspects of David's life, we find the characteristics of a good man, don't we? A man who gave of his money, his soul, his mind, his strength, his ability, of which comes from a good heart that is after God's own heart. What do others see when they might look at a portrait of you? What do they see? Do they automatically focus on the eyes? Do they automatically focus on the ears or the mouth? I know what we do when we see our own picture, <laughs> right? We're focused on those things. Was my eyes closed? When they took it? No. What are you focused on when you see your picture? What did, what did you focus on if you were to see a, a, a physical portrait of David? What would you focus on? What would you focus on if you saw a physical portrait of Jesus? You see, it's not what the eyes and the ears and the mouth is what the heart and this is really truly our heart our ability to reason to understand to know and to do the will of God if you're here not a Christian can we encourage you to become one the Lord has done all of his part to make it possible for every one of us to have salvation God done all that he could by even before the foundation of the world to make a scheme of redemption where man could be redeemed from their sins. And yet man had not even been created and man hadn't sinned. But he already had a plan in place. And in Genesis 3.15 and on, we learned that God's son would be the one. And he'd be the one to take our place on that cross for our sins. Do you believe that? I hope that you do. And if you do, are you willing to make a change in your life? You know, we've seen changes being made even in David's life. When he messed up, did wrong, sinned, he repented. That's what you need to do is to repent and change from doing what that's been wrong all this time to start doing things right based on the word of God of what is right. Then to then make that good confession that you believe that he is the son of God and then go down into the waters of baptism to make it right. When you go down into the waters of baptism, you're dying to sin you're being buried in that watery grave to rise to walk in newness of life, to be a child of God, to live faithfully so that heaven will be your home. And if you, as a child of God, already done those things, but you have slipped back into the world of sin, we pray that you'll make things right before it's everlasting too late. Repent and pray that God will forgive you and we'll pray with you as well. Are you in need of the gospel? The gospel plan of salvation? God's gospel plan? We hope that you will. Won't you come as together we stand and sing?